And uh, let's all stand. We're going to open our Bibles to the book of Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter. I do want to, I do want to get right into the Word of the Lord this morning. We're going to, uh, we're going to be back here again at six. So I don't, I want to make sure I give everybody enough time to get back to their families. But uh, I, I do want to. Uh, to share this good word with you. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. Very familiar passage of scripture. Everybody say amen when they're there. Amen. All right, let's read this together. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's read that again together. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I want to preach to you this morning on this very simple subject, only the desperate, only the desperate. Can we say that together? Only the desperate. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would anoint the preaching of your word and let it go towards our betterment. Lord, I pray that your word would heal us and deliver us. And God set us on the right course, not just for 2018, but for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In the year of 2002, the city of San Francisco underwent a series of burglaries that left local authorities totally baffled. Initially, the burglaries were small in number and sporadic. But within a matter of two months, 63 burglaries took place. A record high till this day for the city of San Francisco. What made these burglaries unique was the style in which they were being done. It was almost fictional. The only thing authorities knew was that the burglar had devised ways of letting themselves down through openings in the ceilings and the roofs of these local businesses. The thefts were done with such amazing agility and skill that the police could not help but to leave every scene of the crime totally amazed. In fact, the burglar in many cases was so good that he often left little or no evidence at all, except for the missing, for the missing money or goods that he had stolen. Due to this strange and genuinely incredible way of breaking into businesses, the, bel- the police and the newspapers began to refer to this burglar after the famed superhero Spider-Man. The authorities knew, however, that with a little bit of patience, they would eventually catch this mysterious superhero gone sour. But in the meantime, the detectives began working, or the detectives working on the case, began compiling a uh, a mental image of what they thought the criminal might be, or profile of who they thought he might be. They thought of a person who perhaps sophisticated had been in and out of prison several times and who perhaps had an insatiable drug addiction. Well, it turned out after a few months that they were totally wrong. When the police finally caught caught and arrested 25-year-old Kristen Kwan, he turned out to be the exact opposite. He was a clean-cut, well-dressed, church member who went on missions trips, never touched drugs, and had never been in jail. What he did have was a gambling addiction, school loans, and a whole lot of desperation. Like so many young people in college, he came on hard times and needed to find a way to stay afloat. 
He decided one day to try gambling at a local casino here in the Bay Area. And when he did, he was immediately hooked. The addiction took a hold of his life and demanded his total allegiance. It was under these conditions that he became a perfect burglar. As you can imagine, Quan was sentenced to prison. During his time in prison, Quan developed a daily regimen of exercise and by his own account was in the best physical shape of his entire life. Now mind you, Quan never was out of shape to begin with. This is a young man who could let himself down several feet of rope and then pull himself back up carrying several pounds of stolen goods, which is why the police couldn't help but compare him to Spider-Man. One day, while he was sitting in his jail cell, the prison guards asked Quan to follow them. He, they took him into a prison gym, and there, hanging from the high ceiling, was a rope. The prison guards told Quan that the police had spoken of him so much and of his legendary status that they had to see for themselves exactly how he committed these crimes. At first, Quan thought the request rather funny, but decided to entertain the guards anyways. But besides, he was in the best shape of his life and didn't mind showing off a little bit. To his shock and chagrin, he couldn't do it. No matter how hard he tried, he simply could not scale the rope. After several embarrassing attempts, he finally gave up, nervously laughed, and asked the guards if he could go back to his cell. In an interview several years later, a journalist asked Quan, what happened that day? Why couldn't you climb the rope? What Quan said next was interesting to say the least. He, he paused for a long moment, looked at the reporter and said these words, it didn't, matter, it didn't matter how good of shape I was in, I wasn't desperate. When I heard this story for the first time, I thought to myself, isn't it amazing what we can do when we're desperate? Isn't it amazing how much desperation can push us, drive us, mobilize us, and animate us? Isn't it amazing what desperate people will do? When people become desperate, roadblocks, sirens, and even the threat of danger all become non-issues. When people are desperate, they don't see the smoke signals. When people are desperate, they don't see the stop signs. When people are desperate, amen, they will break through, break down, and break up whatever they have to to get what they want. When people are desperate, and we, we've all probably seen the negative side of desperation, amen, that when people are desperate for drugs, when people are desperate for money, when people are desperate for attention, when people are desperate, amen, for this, that, and the other, it's amazing, amen, how low they will go. It's amazing what they will do. It's amazing the voices they'll ignore. It's I, I'm telling you, I don't ever want to get desperate for the wrong things. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't ever want to get desperate for the wrong things. Hallelujah. Amen. So powerful are the actions and the emotions that come as a result of desperation that the Bible lets us know that when desperation is directed towards the right things, our lives can be altered permanently and in a positive way. Desperation does have two sides. There is the negative side, which we've already discussed. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the positive side. Desperation in scripture has many different names, but perhaps one of its most common synonyms is hunger 
hurt and thirst. Many times, rather than using the word that we know as desperation, the Bible will speak of hunger and thirst as in our text this morning. Jesus tells us that only those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. In other words, only the desperate can be filled. An often neglected truth about this verse that we've probably all heard somebody preach from at one time or another. Amen. Is that this, these words, amen, hallelujah, that Jesus spoke on this day and in this sermon, which actually spanned two chapters, amen, uh, were not spoken to sinners. They were not spoken to non-religious people, amen. Uh, These were people who had a religious background. These were people who understood biblical ideas and concepts. This is why Jesus could teach on everything from the Beatitudes to the Lord's Prayer, amen, to legal and, 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 and theological issues and even talk about people like Solomon. Amen. Because these were not people that did not know God. These were not people that had no religious orientation. These were people that understood what he was saying. In fact, at one point, amen, in chapters 5 and 6, Jesus will use the phrase repeatedly, you have heard it said. Uh-huh. And in other words, he's telling them a lot of this that you're hearing is nothing new. But what they had never heard nobody tell them is that the only way you're ever going to be filled, that word filled there in the Greek, amen, is, means satisfied. That the only way you're ever going to be satisfied with God, the only way you're ever going to be satisfied with religion, the only way you're ever going to be satisfied with the Bible, the only way you're ever going to be satisfied with this faith life is if you're hungry and you're desperate. But if you're just playing religion, if you're just playing church, if you're just playing Christian, if you're just playing Jew, amen, none of this is going to apply to you, amen. You'll never walk away satisfied. You'll never walk away filled. You'll never walk away genuinely happy. Only the desperate are filled. Amen. These were people who were part of a religious society, raised in religious homes, and who attended religious services. And Jesus tells them, you're empty. And I'll show you how he tells them this in just a few seconds. Well, I'll tell you this right now. He says, those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. And by saying that they will be filled, he's implying that they are not. And not only are they empty, he's telling them, you are are primally, you are animal hungry. You know, and this is actually, this is not a far cry from some of the local, uh, uh, from some of the, the colloquialisms we use today. We'll say, I'm hungry as a horse, amen, or I'm hungry as a dog or whatever. And, and in fact, this word here, uh, filled, uh, it is a word that is only used in Scripture, amen, throughout all of Scripture, from, from the Old Testament all the way to the book of Revelation. That word filled is only used in reference to feeding hungry animals, amen. And Jesus here is telling the people, amen, hallelujah. Uh, uh, you're, you're not going to get. You're not going to. You're not going to quench that primal hunger. You're not going to quench that deep down uh, a, a, a thirst inside of you until you get desperate. Until you really want it, there's always going to be an emptiness. Until you really want it, you're just going to feel bloated for a few seconds and hungry. Amen. A few seconds later, until you really want it, you'll never really drink and eat from those eternal substances that only God can provide. Amen. Now, I want to be fair to, the, to Jesus' audience uh, this, this, this morning, these people who he spoke to. Amen. Uh, it's rather hard to blame these people for lacking desperation. After all, how can you be desperate for something that's all around you? How do I get desperate for something that's everywhere? 
Why would I be desperate for something that's all around me? There's synagogues on every corner. Amen. There's rabbis walking the streets. Amen. We live by legal codes handed down to us from our forefathers. These were people that lived in a religious society. Everything they did, even the foods they ate had a religious application. Everything they did every day, the way they woke up. Amen. In the, in, in the Bible, they couldn't even wear different kinds of cloths together. There was You couldn't mix cotton with cashmere. You, you couldn't do everything they did. They're... Every strata of their life, amen, had been infiltrated by their beliefs. So for Jesus to tell them, you ain't got, you ain't got this like you think you got this, uh-huh. must have been a shock to them. They must have thought, well, how much, what more do you want from us? Right. All right. Amen. And if you want me to give you a modern application, let me say this. America is a Christian country. Now, that does not mean that everyone in America is a Christian. Uh, but when, when I say that America is a Christian country, we often, all you got to do is go to another country <laughs> where Christianity was nobody's religion. And you'll find out really quick how Christian America is. Now, we, by and large, we are nominal Christians. And what I mean by that is we call ourselves Christians, but we don't behave like them. Amen. But, but by and large, when you look at our legal system, when you look at our social a lot of the things we practice here, both legally and normally, amen, as norms, those are all, they all have Christian implications, Christian assumptions, amen, whether you know it or not. And I've been to other countries where you find out really quick, you are not innocent until proven guilty. You are guilty. <laughs> Amen. And so you pay up. Hallelujah. And, and, but that's only here in America. And these, as we discussed a few weeks ago, these are biblical concepts. Amen. But, but here in America, I think we suffer from a little bit of this. I think we suffer from a little bit of this. We, uh, you know, I, I, I can't, I don't find a lot of people out there that think to themselves, you know what, uh, uh, they're out there. But I, I, I don't think of a lot of people out there thinking like, man, I really need church in my life. Uh, and most of us come to church kicking and screaming. Hallelujah. And uh, I know I did. Hallelujah. When I came to church, it was like, okay. I'm going to bless y'all with my presence. Here I come. Hallelujah. And uh, we, we feel like we're doing the person picking us up a favor. Amen. We, we feel like we're doing this, the, the guy knocking on our door a favor by taking his flyer. Like, but, but, you know, but it's because we're surrounded. We're surrounded. And in fact, one of our biggest problems and the very few Americans are actually desperate. Very few. We, we even, I mean, I'm not, listen, I think all of y'all know me good enough. Um, even our homeless are pretty well taken care of. Um, in fact, yesterday I was, I was driving around in the church van, parked the church van, and maybe I shouldn't even get into this, but parked the church van, and I didn't mind. This lady came up to me. She said, are you the pastor of the church? I said, yes, I am. She said, can I talk to you? I said, absolutely. We got to talk, and we, you know, she told me her name. She said, please pray for me. Da, da, da. We prayed. We talked. Every, she said, thank you so much, pastor. And I'm not kidding you. She pulled out a bag about this big. Uh, full of marijuana she said I really appreciate it but I got to get back to smoking my ganja <laughs> she just but th- that's that's the homelessness that you know the homeless I've been to other countries where homeless people have one eye one leg no arms two children I mean I've, I've seen genuine desperation in my real life I mean even here in America our homeless are very well taken care of I mean uh, it's just um, that's not to say they don't live in squalor conditions or horrible conditions but I'm telling you very few of us know what desperation 
question is, and you might be thinking, well, that's a good thing. I don't think it's always been a good thing. Even for some of us, amen, we probably would have learned some lessons a little faster had somebody not been just taking care of us the whole way through. Some of us, had we hit rock bottom a little bit sooner, might have came up a whole lot faster. Somebody say amen. But Jesus compels his audience that day to be desperate. And how does he do this? How does he do this? Well, he asks them to take inventory and, and to conduct a careful examination of their lives against the scriptures. By the time Jesus is done, it would only seem reasonable that someone would be desperate for God. And I'm almost done preaching. But I want to talk to you about the inventory that Jesus asked these already religious people to take. Amen. In chapter 5 of our text, verses 21 through 26, Jesus asked them, are you angry? He says unto them, but I say unto you, first he starts off with saying, you have heard it said. But then he says, but I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Yes, you are religious. Yes, you're a decent person. Yes, maybe you're not out killing anybody. But are you angry with your brother without a cause? Do you hold grudges against people? Amen. Are you are you angry on the inside? Amen. Check. Amen. Your spirit. Hallelujah. He goes on in, in, in verses 27 through 30 to talk about lust. He says, you have heard it said, amen, by them of old time that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman or a man for that matter to lust after them hath committed adultery with them already in their heart. Amen. Jesus here says, I know you guys don't go around sleeping around, but I'm asking you, who are you looking at? Amen. I'm, I'm, I, Jesus has no qualms with getting under the rock. Amen. Jesus has no qualms. Amen. With turning over the stone. Amen. Because he knows that if I'm going to get you from being religious to actually being in a relationship with God, we're going to have to turn over some rocks. Amen. If I'm ever going to get you to shake off the coziness of life and get desperate. Amen. For a little bit of salvation and get desperate for a genuine relationship with me. Amen. I'm going to have to get up in your trash can. Hallelujah. I'm asking you. Hallelujah. Why are you looking at that person? Why are you looking up your ex on Facebook? Hallelujah. Who are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Hallelujah. Where are your mind? Where is your mind wandering to? Hallelujah. I know you're faithful. I mean, I know you've never cheated, but are you faithful in your thoughts? Are you? And I know, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't buy our, our society by and large has given up on so much stuff. They say, ain't nobody perfect. I know nobody's perfect, but we can all try to be good. Amen. We can all strive to be better. Amen. Uh, I know nobody's perfect, but that ain't got nothing to do with me not thinking about five women at once. Hallelujah. I know nobody's perfect, but that ain't got nothing to do with you not having a crush on every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Hallelujah. I know nobody's perfect. Amen. But, uh, but we can direct our emotions. Stay focused. Amen. We can. Amen. Be in a committed relationship. This is possible. This is not impossible. Hallelujah. We can be faithful to our spouses we can be oh come on somebody oh come on amen in, in, chap, in chapter 5 verse 31 through 32 he talks to them about divorce and he says you have heard it said of times old amen that, that, uh, that you can divorce your wife just as long as you give her a bill of divorcement but he goes on to say he says you cannot get divorced except for the cause of fornication and adultery our, our, our society is so messed up today people are getting divorced because their wife burnt the toast or just because they're ready to move on 
Brother, I don't care if your wife raises up a burnt offering every morning to Jehovah God and calls it breakfast. Amen. <laughs> that ain't a reason to divorce her. And let me just say this, because I don't really want to get into this too much because it is a technical issue. But let me say this. Don't talk about divorce if you are married. That should not be like something that you talk about when you're fighting with your spouse. If you're going to fight over the dishes, if you're going to fight over the car, the flat tire, go ahead and fight that out. Go ahead and say, you get on my nerves. But don't, don't start talking about, I wish I never married you. I just, I wish we weren't together. We don't do that. We're, we, don't, we, just, we, don't even, we don't even dabble with that word. You ought to look at the word divorce like any four-letter cuss word. You just don't say it. You just don't go there. Come on, somebody. Don't leave me up here preaching by myself. Hallelujah. Amen. Unless your spouse is out cheating on you, Keep, keep quiet. Don't say that word. Don't go there. Don't talk like that. Hallelujah. You, you got people looking at you. Your kids are looking at you. You can go ahead, stomp out, slam the door, slam, slam, slam the cupboard doors. Do whatever you got to do. Amen. Peel out, amen, in the driveway if you have to. But don't talk about divorce. Hallelujah. Amen. Leave that out of your vocabulary. Come on. Let's do some inventory here this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. So, come on. That's good preaching right there. Hallelujah. That's good preaching. Amen. I'm not, I'm not telling you you should be perfect and not fight, but there's just some places you don't go in a fight. You know, I've been in a lot of street fights. I'm, I'm not proud of that. I'm not, not lately. Uh, but, um, but you know, like anybody here who's ever been on the street, like you just know, like if you're going to get in a street fight, there's just some things you don't do, even in a street fight. I mean, in fact, there's a phrase for it. You just don't hit below the belt. Like, just knuckle up, fight, get it over with. But, then, you know, even, even the two dudes boxing it out on the street have a decency to know. There's just, a, there's just some places you don't go. Hey, you, you knock each other out, but just, you know, just be, be good about it. You know what I mean? And, and, and the same thing goes for you married couples. And those of you single, amen, get this in your gizzard now. Hallelujah. When you get married, and you will be fighting when you get married. Hallelujah. Welcome to reality. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, the life you ordered is out of stock. Praise God. Um, but but when you fight, don't don't talk like that. All right. All right. All right. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Just, just don't go there. Amen. God gave you a... I think... I'm, I'm just going to go ahead as your pastor and let you know. I think God knew what he was doing when he gave you that wife. I think God knew what he was doing when he gave you that husband. I think God knew what he was doing when he put you together. Well, I know somebody... When we didn't get married in the church, I still think God knew what he was doing. Hallelujah. I think God was that much ahead of you. Hallelujah. I think God still gave you the right wife. I think God still gave you the right husband. And I don't think you should talk about divorce. Somebody say amen. In verses 33 through 37, Jesus says, I know you're religious, but let me ask you something. Do you keep your promises? He says, let your yea be your yea and your nay be your nay. If you say, if somebody asks you to do something, just either say yes or no. And, and conversely, on the flip side, amen. Uh, those of us who are asking somebody to do something, if they tell us no, don't get your feathers all ruffled. It's better that they be up front with you and tell you, I cannot do that. And you don't need to interrogate them about it. You don't need to say, why? Because they can't. Hallelujah. For whatever reason, maybe they don't like you, but at least they're being up front with you saying, I can't do that. But if somebody can do it, amen. If you say you can do it, do it. If you say you can't do it, don't do it. Hallelujah. And if you're asking somebody to do something, amen, and they say no, don't trip. Just keep moving. Ask somebody else. Hallelujah. But but let's let's be promise keepers. Hallelujah. If we say yes, let's just yes up. Amen. If we say no, let's no up. Amen. And let's not put pressure on 
anybody who gives us a no. Uh, we live in that Facebook world where everything's got to be thumbs up. Well, life's not really thumbs up everywhere. There's going to be some people that are going to turn you down. That's okay. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I got a few amens on. It's okay for somebody to tell you no. Kids, it's okay for your parents to tell you no. Amen. Couples, it's okay for your spouse to tell you no. Hallelujah. Well, I got, didn't get an amen on that one. Praise God. I'm still preaching. Maybe I got to preach on this one. Amen. Uh, in verse 38 through 42, Jesus says, he talks to them about revenge and retaliation. You know, the other day I was driving right here in Alameda and I get it. Okay. I get it. I understand. But somebody had this beautiful home and there's like these, this beautiful garden and then draped across the, the beautiful garden in the beautiful home was a big black flag with white letters that said, resist. <laughs> and you know, I get it. I get it. Folks are not happy right now. I get it. But as Christians, our position is to not resist evil. Jesus says, and whosoever will smite you on your right cheek, uh, turn to him also the other. You know what I'm going to be doing during the, the Trump administration? Same thing I was doing during the Obama administration. And you know what I'm going to be doing a few years now when Trump's out of office? Same thing I was doing when Trump was in office. I'm going to be living for Jesus. I'm going to be a Christian everywhere I go. I'm not, the president ain't going to determine how I'm living. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to let the, per, the president or any other, either president of any party get me tied up with people, amen, who are not like me, who don't think like me, who don't, who may not be in the position I'm in. I'm not doing that. I'm, 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 I'm Christian 365. Amen. Seven days a week. I'm doing this thing for Jesus, not the president, not politics. Hallelujah. I'm living for it. Come on, somebody. We got to get to the point where this is, you know what? The, the problem with us is sometimes we're not desperate to really get along with everybody. Amen. Jesus, when Jesus prophesied about what it would be like in the last days, he said, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. You know why he could say that? Because humans actually like fighting. We like holding grudges. We like going to war. We like pointing missiles. We like shooting guns. We like doing that stuff. We say we don't, but we do. We like sleeping on the couch. We like saying divorce. We like slamming the door. And Jesus says, you got to, you got to get desperate to be at peace. You gotta get desperate. You know, you know, you know what happens if I smack you when you smack me and we smack each other back and forth? There's just a circle, it's just a cycle. Somebody's gotta break the cycle. If I turn my cheek, I say I'm out. I'm not playing. You playing a game, I'm not playing. Game over. Amen. Because it takes two to tango. And I'm not gonna tango. I'm not gonna do that. Come on, somebody. And I'm not going to let you pigeonhole me and make me tango with you. I don't tango. Amen. I dance in church. Hallelujah. But, but we ain't doing that. Hallelujah. I'm not, I, I got, but we got to be desperate. Yes, sir. Desperate. Yes. Desperate people. This, you know, these kinds of emotions, the, the, the sensation that I will not take revenge, that doesn't come naturally. Amen. It's something we got to be desperate about. It's something we have to hunger and thirst about. Jesus in verse 43 through 48. I'm going to be a while. Amen. I'm almost done, but this is going to be a while. Amen. In, in, in 43 through 48, and I won't get, be long on this one, he talks about love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Amen. Amen. The other day I had to pray for somebody that had been cursing me. Hallelujah. And you think it's easy till you get down and you're just like, oh God. <laughs> Shower, rain on. <laughs> and you're not sure if you want like fire or. <laughs> but, but we got to just do it. That's Bible right there. Hallelujah. When they, when they tell you they want to divorce you, 
when they when they're just throwing rocks at you, whatever they're doing, you got to get down on your knees with all your anger, with all your frustration, with all your hurts, with all your sense of betrayal and say, you know what, Lord, bless them, Lord. Direct them. Keep your hands on their life. God, open their eyes. Be good to them, Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. In chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, Jesus keeps preaching. And he talks to them about giving. And he says these words. He says, when you give, he says, do not blow a trumpet. Amen. Amen. And and what he's really saying is, because, you know, in the days of Jesus, when people gave, they just made a big deal about it. They just got real pompous about it. And, uh, And Jesus said, this is not how we give. When we give. Don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. When you're generous, amen, be it with your church or with a stranger or with a family member, don't go off. You know, because we, we've all been there. When, you, when you're generous with somebody and then they do you wrong and you're like, well, they weren't acting like that when I gave them $7,000 or whatever you gave them. <laughs> you know, let's just, if it's there, it's there. Yeah. You, you. You bless somebody, just bless them. And don't even, you know, just... Um, this doesn't happen much, and I don't think it's ever happened here. It does happen to me. But sometimes I have people who will come up to me uh, as the pastor of the church and try to hand me money. And that's how they want to give their offering. There's an offering plate here. You, ain't, you, you don't got to hand it to me. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to turn around and tell God, hey, he, you, you know, it, that, that's not how it works. Amen. In fact, you're not giving to me. We're giving as unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't blow trumpets around here. Hallelujah. So put the sound system away. Let's bless Jesus. Hallelujah. And have revival. Somebody say amen. He talks to them in chapter 6, verse 5 through 15. He talks to them about praying in secret and fasting in secret. Amen. I won't go much into that, but needless to say, amen. Uh, Jesus tells them, he says, man, when you pray, don't, you know, I... Don't pray out loud for somebody to hear you. I, I, I had a gentleman one time who, um, who was just, you know, he just prayed for people out loud, but just say things, you know, it just wasn't right. You know, it just, it just wasn't right, to say the least. And, you know, if, if you was getting on his nerves, he'd just be praying for you out loud, you know, and God touch Brother Prado right now and help him to quit being annoyed. I mean, just stuff like that. That, that you ain't praying at that point. You're just talking. Hallelujah. And you're talking to yourself. Hallelujah. So, um, and Jesus says, when you fast, fast in secret. If you, if you decide to go on a fast, and I recommend we all do. Amen. If you decide to go on a, a day of fasting, don't show up to church. Amen. With a long face on. You know, just, just be happy. Amen. But just keep that between you and Jesus. Amen. This is not, this is not just religion, folks. This is relationship with God. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, finally, he talks to them about two more things, and I'm done here. But he talks to them about treasures in heaven in verses 19 and 24. He says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And Jesus is basically telling them, he says, where are you really investing? Where are you really investing? Are you investing here on earth? Or are you investing, amen, in heaven? Amen. And, and he tells them, he says, you know, um, you know, to invest in the kingdom of God really takes desperation. Uh, on Wednesday, if you could be here Wednesday night, please come Wednesday night. Please come on Wednesday night. Wednesday night's going to be a very special night. 
Uh, we have Brother Ken Bo coming to preach for us. And, and I don't want to steal no thunder out of this uh, service. But, you know, I, I remember my father-in-law, he said several years ago when, when Brother Ken Bo preached that Brother Ken Bo was taking up an offering. And, and he said, you know, I just really feel to let you people know that uh, when we give in this offering that, that families are going to be saved. You know, like, and this is not unbiblical. Some people might be thinking, well, that's kind of bad. You know, the first people that ever received the plan of salvation in the Bible, amen, they received it because there was a man of their household, Cornelius, who was giving alms. He was giving to people. He was being generous. And the Bible says that when we give, it says that it opens up the windows of heaven. Amen. And that, that it's not talking about a quantity. It's not saying, man, when you sow your $5,000 seed. No, no, no. It's just when you were giving. In fact, my, my father-in-law told me, he said, you know, back then we actually didn't have a lot of money. And he said, but, but I looked at my wife and we just knew that God was tugging on our heart to give. And they gave. Amen. And to this day, amen, uh, as you can see around here, and there's, there's several more. But all their children are in church today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because God honored his word. Amen. That's right. That's right. When you give, you open up the windows of heaven. You open it up over your kids. Amen. I'm telling you right now, when you give, when you give to the kingdom of God, when you invest in heaven, hallelujah, I promise you right now, you are, you are, you are stacking up blessings for your children. You are stacking up blessings for yourself. You are stacking up. You, you know, this is the, but, but you got to be desperate for it. Amen. I, I, I don't know about you. I, I mean, I'm, I'm like any of you. I get crossed up with my family members. Not, you know, I, I get upset at people. Uh, there, there's all kinds of situations that happen in my life. But you know what? At the end of the day, I, I want them to be saved, but I got to be desperate. I got to let God know. And I'm not, it, Brother Willoughby preached such a wonderful message last week on your time, your treasure, and your talent. And we're not just talking about money here today, but when you give of your talent and your treasure and your time and all these things, and man, I'm telling you, you are open up, you are opening up the windows of heaven. When you do it with desperation and hunger, and you say, I just don't want an average blessing. I don't just want a few of my family members saved. I want my whole family saved. Amen. I want, I want God's goodness over my nieces and my nephews. I want God's goodness on my uncles and my aunts. I want God's goodness, amen, all over the whole anybody with my last name. Hallelujah. I want to see people in my household blessed. Amen. And my very, and Jesus' very last point, and my last point, he tells them in verses 25 through 34, he says it several times. And this is probably the most tightest part of this service. He says this, he says, take no thought for your life. And if you want a modern translation about that, don't be anxious for nothing. He's telling them very clearly, stop worrying. Somebody say amen. Stop worrying. He says, don't be anxious for your life. This is probably one of the most challenging. If you really want to get delivered from anxiety, mm-hmm. you got to be desperate. Amen. I know good people, good Christian people, wonderful saints of God who, who dream about cupcakes and ponies all day. But when they're not dreaming about cupcakes and ponies, they are worried to death. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus says, don't be worried. Like, here, here we are, 20 years, 30 years, 10 years, 5 years, 5 years down the line, 3 years down the line, however long you've been living for God. And you know what Jesus is saying? Have I failed you yet? I know you've had hard times, but did I fail you? 
Did I ever let you go? Did, did, did you ever fall flat on your face? And it was my fault. No. The answer is no. And you know, let me tell you something about bad behavior. And I say bad not as an evil, but just negative. Let me tell you something about bad behavior. The more you do it, the stronger it gets. But what bad behavior wants you to do is exercise it. So people who worry a lot, who are anxious, they will want, they think that if I ask somebody 10 more times, that my worry will be alleviated. Like anxiety will tell me that if I ask my wife four more times, if she's positive, she's going to pick up that toothbrush for me at the supermarket, that the anxiety will go away. But it doesn't. It actually gets bigger. And before I know it, I've not only called her four times, I've also sent her a text with a picture of the exact toothbrush that I wanted. (laughs) And I'm just, I didn't get rid of the anxiety, I I fed it. And sometimes God is saying, don't worry, just brush your teeth with whatever toothbrush you get. Uh It's going to be okay. It's not that big of a deal. Go to bed. Uh (laughs) I'm still preaching good. Somebody help me out. Don't leave me here on my side. And it, we feel that if we ask people, we ask people, we badger people, we, 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 you know, and you forgot one time 10 years ago, and I don't want you to forget again. <laughs> That's going to go away. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. And you know what? It's okay if, if you're thrown off a little bit. It, Real life works that way. Real life works out where you get a green toothbrush instead of a blue one sometimes. Real life works off. Really, real life works that way where sometimes things do go awry. Plans have to get changed at the last minute. Things don't go as expected. But I'll tell you what else is real life. God's faithfulness. Amen. God's faithfulness to take care of you. Amen. He'll make sure it all works out. He'll make sure it all gets taken care of. And I've got good news for you. God's so good, he'll let you get a green toothbrush one day. Hallelujah. But, but in the meantime, don't worry. In the meantime, go to bed. In the meantime, set your mind at ease and think on whatsoever is good. Whatsoever. But you got to get desperate. If you struggle today with anxiety, if you struggle today with anxiety and worry, there's only one solution to get desperate. And say, you know what, God, I don't want to be like this. I, I, I just, I, I'm not really, believe, believe you me, I'm not preaching at anybody, I'm preaching at me. I, I can tell you right now, for the last three, four weeks, I've had to come here because there's been a lot of times I feel like picking up the phone and calling somebody because I'm anxious. And I feel like, man, I got to make sure, I got, man, I thought I told, well, I, maybe they didn't understand what I said by that. Well, let me, and, and you're just, and you're anxious. And I know what it is to be told like, hey, you know what, blah, 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 blah. And, and now you got to wait. And it just drives you up the wall. Well, you know what I've just learned? I'm just, I'm going to go to sleep. Uh-huh. This is crazy. Yeah. I'm like losing my mind out here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and nothing's going to change. It's, I'm not going to find out till Wednesday. That's hallelujah. I hope I forget when Wednesday's on its way. Hallelujah. And I just want to be at peace. And you know what? I had to come to the church and I had to lay on the ground and I had to pray because my anxiety was getting a hold of me. And, and you're just worried. And I just I had to get it out. And, but I had to get desperate because those things don't just go away casually. And when you are enough, if I could have Brother Jesse come. Amen. Let me say this in closing. When you are religious, 
And I use that in a positive way. When you are a Bible-carrying, our Father (laughs) Christian, you can be anxious and cloak it with all kinds of things. You can say, well, I'm just being wise. I'm just being a good steward, that's all. Just trying to do good time management. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. But you're anxious. And you got ulcers. And you're knotted up. And you don't go to sleep at night. Oh, you close your eyes. (laughs) But you wake up. The bed looks like World War III. You didn't hardly get any sleep. Amen. And you you wake up on the wrong side of the princess bed and it's just not good. And that's not the way God wants us to be. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. But I gotta be desperate for peace. Let's all stand. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I praise you. I feel a wonderful presence of the Lord here. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing what desperate people can get their hands on? Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing what we can, hallelujah, get our hands on when we're desperate? Hallelujah. I don't know what part of this morning's message spoke to you, but hallelujah, with just a little bit of desperation in your spirit, why don't you lift your hands right now and ask God, hallelujah, hallelujah, to to hear your prayer right now, Jesus. Jesus, I'm asking you today that you would deliver us of anxiety. Deliver us, oh God, of any anger, of any lust. God, deliver us, Lord, of any kind of marital division. Jesus, I pray, God, that you would set us free. Hallelujah. Thinking that we're just good people and that's good enough. Hallelujah. God, help us. Hallelujah. To do a careful examination today of our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Jesus, help us today, oh God, to dig a little deeper, to not take for granted your presence in our life. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, come on. Hallelujah.